Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. As you can tell, I'm not used to this. <laughs> and I also don't love crying right before I'm supposed to get up here. That wasn't the video I saw on my list. So, I mean, I feel so unprepared and emotional. So I'm used to speaking to kids that are about this tall. So I'm just going to picture you about two feet shorter than you are today. Um, but first of all, I want to thank Pastor Corey for giving me the privilege to speak to you guys today. As much as I'm terrified by it, it is an honor. And I want to thank you guys for your encouragement and just cheering me on in this because you guys are amazing and I just feel so loved today. So thank you. And then the other thing I want to let you know is how hard it is to preach a sermon each week. As I was preparing this week, I'm like, wow, we are spoiled by the great messages Pastor Corey gives us each week because it's not just the information, it's the revelation from God that we need each week. And, and he goes before God and he prays over these sermons. And when you just realize how much preparation it takes to hear from God in order for us to all hear from God each week, we are spoiled. And I just want to thank Pastor Corey for all the hard work he does. I mean, every week he knows that Sunday's coming and he's got to get something from the Lord. So it's an amazing... Uh, it's an amazing privilege we have, honestly. So thanks, babe. That's my husband, Pastor Corey. <laughs> and, you know, for me to get up here today, I'm actually just an extension of the anointing on his life and the vision of the church. And as you guys lead in your different areas, you guys have that, um, that anointing on you guys as well because we are part of what God's called us to do together. Um, so will you guys just join me and pray so I can kind of get settled here? Father... <laughs> I thank you for every person that's come here today. I thank you for every mom that's here that's maybe feeling tired or discouraged or hopeful and um, full of life and expectation. We want to hear from you this morning, so will you open our ears to hear from the Word of God today? Will you um, come and meet with us wherever we're at for every person that's here, whether a mom or not, Lord? We just um, we expect to hear from you, so thank you for what you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when Corey and I first met, we were, I was, I had just finished university, and he was about the same age as me, and uh, I remember the first time he came and kind of got to know me, one of the first things he said to me was, oh, wow, you do a lot of things, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I get lots done, and, but that's not what he meant. What he meant was, wow, you're doing like 57 things a day, and you're not really doing those things very well. <laughs> he didn't say it, but that's what he meant, I think. As I got to know him later, that's what he meant. Um, see, I kind of took pride in my busyness and all of the connections and friendships I had and things like that. And I thought by doing a lot of things that I was um, accomplishing a lot in my life. And I got a lot of affirmation from the busyness in my life. And I got a lot of, um, I loved the appearance of it. But there was actually a, not that much fruit in my life. And that's one of the things that I realized that um, I wasn't actually doing a lot of important things in my life. And last week, if you didn't catch the message, go back and listen to it because Pastor Corey talked about um, having a, a spirit of faith in us. And he, he started with the story of Abraham and how when, when we go through life, we need to make sure that we're actually taking care of the things that matter first in our lives. So mom, I just encourage you guys to keep thinking about that as you go through the weeks. Make sure you're putting the things that matter, those big rocks in your lives first. And then all these other things are going to be added unto you. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things are going to be added to you. So thank you for that message, and it's kind of given me the, the point of where I'm going to jump into. But uh, when I grew up, putting the big things, the things that mattered, wasn't something I really was trained to do well. Um, I was really, really busy as a kid. And the reason I was busy is because my mom was a single mom. 
Got any single moms out there? Um, you guys are doing a great job, and I know that it is hard for you. We want to honor you today for your hard work. Um, my mom was trying to survive, and I know some of you guys feel like that. And in the trying to survive, one of the things she, she did for us is she wanted to really give us opportunities, um, opportunities she never had as a kid because she grew up on a farm with like a million kids and never really had a lot, lot of opportunities to do things. But um, so for me, after school looked like this. I had piano, I had theory, I had voice lessons, I had choir, I had trumpet lessons, I had jazz band, I had concert band, I had Latin band, I had soccer, I had gymnastics, and I had all these opportunities and all these things in my life. But at the end of the day, I didn't actually have a lot of time with my mom because she was working and she had to. Um, I didn't have a lot of time for rest, a lot of time for family and making the kinds of friendships that mattered. I was just busy and my life was about me and I kind of lived in this whirlwind frenzy of it and it, it kind of created a fear in me that if I didn't do all these things, I was gonna miss out and I was gonna miss the door of opportunity for my future and I think sometimes when you you feel like you don't have opportunities, you can make the mistake as a mom or as a dad to um, take every opportunity for your kids without weighing, is this a big rock in our kids' lives? Is this something that actually matters? And then when I hit college, my life was a real frenzy of activity, but what it really lacked was godliness. I hadn't developed some of the things that are really important to us now as parents. I hadn't developed the habit of um, you know, praying to God and, and uh, having devotions in my life. I didn't have godly friends. I was really busy, I was involved in a lot of things, but um, some of the things that really mattered weren't present in my life. And I learned, kind of as Corey and I processed some of my regrets in that, is that taking the opportunity in the now often caused me to miss out on the promise of the future. And I want you to think about this and how it relates to your kids. And if you don't have kids, think about how it relates to your business um, or the relationships that you do have in your life. Because um, society kind of tries to guilt trip us that if we don't give our kids every opportunity or if we don't take every opportunity in front of us, we're going to miss out. But I think that can be a huge, huge lie and a huge distraction in our lives. And we think that our kids are going to miss out on their destiny if we don't take everything before them. But not every door or not every opportunity is a door to their destiny. Um, so sometimes um, we, we think it's a door. We think every opportunity is a door because they might miss out. They might miss out on their destiny if I don't do this. Um, but we serve a bigger God than that. He can redirect our lives if we get off track. But we can also um, take every opportunity before us. And this is the thing I want to, to say is that opportunities are often detours disguised as shortcuts. So we think it's going to be a shortcut. We think it's going to be a shortcut to our kids' destiny, but not all, all opportunities are doors. Sometimes they're just a detour, and we think it's a shortcut to them. Um, and sometimes opportunities can actually lead us down the wrong road of distraction. Anybody get distracted a little bit, and you start to go, wait, where am I? Like, why, how did our family get in this place? Like, what is it that we're even going for, aiming for anymore? Or exhaustion? Do we have any tired moms out there? Like you're just so tired because you're running your kids everywhere and you have no rest, you have no peace in your lives and neither do your kids. I mean, I've met people whose kids have so many hockey practices every week that they're exhausted and they can't even function properly in school because they're giving them every opportunity. And the other thing is sometimes these doors that we walk through lead us into different circles of influence than we actually want for our kids or for us. 
I have friends who have spent more times with other people's spouses than their own because they've taken a hold of every opportunity before them. So I just want you to think of some of these questions as we go through today with me. Now, um, Pastor Corey and I have some Irish heritage in our families, and we like to think there's a little more than there actually is, but um, (laughs) uh, we always used to go to the Irish Cultural Center on St. Paddy's Day and celebrate and watch all these fabulous Irish dancers. And one of the things, as soon as we had our very firstborn girl, Arwen, um, she was, it had been a long night of labor, a very long, yeah, Corey knows, (laughs) Pastor Corey knows. It was a really long night, and it's your first. You don't know what you're doing, and it's all new, and, and um, I was tired. <laughs> I was really, really tired. Um, but Corey comes bouncing in the room, and he's like, it's a girl. He's so excited, and he goes, I'm going to go downstairs and call Irish Dance Studios because I want her to Irish dance. <laughs> so he runs. I'm not kidding. He ran downstairs, and he started looking up Irish Dance Academies. <laughs> he started looking up these Irish Dance Academies, and then he started calling them. And talking to them, like, how much does it cost? How many days a week are the practices? What do the competitions look like? And finally, the instructor said to him, well, how old's your daughter? And he said, well, she's a couple of hours old. (laughs) And she kind of had a chuckle and laughed at him and said, well, why don't you come back in about four years? That's kind of what's normal. Um, but if you know Pastor Corey, you know that he's a dreamer and a visionary and also a mover. So he like just ran with it and started going. And he had a dream for our daughter already. And uh, four years came along. But in that time, Pastor Corey and I had time to talk about what are the priorities in our life for our family and for our kids. And some of the things that really mattered to us was that our kids would love God no matter what. We wanted to create an atmosphere in our home where our kids Um, loved God. And then another thing that was important to us was that they love people and that they love serving in the house of God. We didn't ever want that to be a burden to them. We wanted that to be a joy to them, but also a commitment and a priority to them. And so when four years came along, we kind of revisited the topic of Irish dance. And if you know anything about Irish dance, you know that it it can be a big commitment. Um, We lived about an hour away from the closest studio and it would be an hour drive there and then a couple hours there and a our drive home. Pastor Corey at the time was in the business world, in the trades world, and he wasn't even home till seven o'clock most nights. So that would mean we would miss seeing each other for a few nights of the week um, in order to fulfill this dream that we had for Arwen to be an Irish dancer. It wasn't even her dream, it was our dream. Have you guys ever had a dream for your kids that wasn't theirs but was yours? Do we have any hockey dads out there that are like, my kid's gonna be the next NHL player, I know it. And you do everything you can to try and make it happen might not be their dream, I'm just saying. Um, And then the dresses, the dresses of Irish dance are amazing and ornate and beautiful, but they're like $1,000 a piece. And then those bouncy wigs that are really weird and kind of creepy, but um, you have to get all these things. And then the time commitment. Do you guys know that time is not a renewable resource? You can't get that back for your family. So you really need to consider these things when you're making decisions. And here's the thing, Pastor Corey and I, we weren't in church leadership at the time. We had no idea about the call of life or call of God on our life at that point, that we would be pastoring a church. Um, We were just faithfully serving in our church and it mattered to us. Um, But I wonder where we would be now if we had made different priorities then. I wonder if we would have an amazing drummer now. Good job, Arwen. 
I wonder if we'd have an amazing drummer now if we had taken that opportunity in the moment. Um, and it can be really hard to let go of things for our kids, but we need to let every opportunity that comes our way run through the filter. Needs to run through the filter of the promises of God. Needs to run through the filter of the promises of God. So we didn't even go down that road, and later in life, Arwen actually did have an opportunity to Irish dance in a class that was right in our community, and it was cheap, and it was uh, very low commitment. And even then, part of me was like, oh, she's really good at it. She has great rhythm, and she's strong, and she's, you know, she did amazing in her one competition that she had there. Um, so even then, you kind of have this pull of, wow, what if? And sometimes it's really hard to let go of the what-ifs and the opportunities if your kids are really good at something. But you still need to weigh it through the filter of the promises of God. See, we all want our kids to succeed. We all want them to be children of promise. We want them to reach their destiny. And so often we assume that the opportunities before us are the shortcuts to that destiny. Um, and, but they're often detours, like I said. So often, though, we get so far down the road of music or dance or hockey or baseball that we lose our focus of what that promise actually is. So some questions to ask ourselves is, does this opportunity add value to my family and my life or busyness? That's a hard one. Um, does this focus on the promises or are we just doing a lot of things? Is this God's opportunity or is this the world's opportunity? And then what's the cost? What is the cost to my family? What's, I mean, it can be financial cost. It's also the time. Like I said, it's time's a non-renewable resource. You can't get that back. Um, what would I have to give up to take a hold of this opportunity now? But not just now. What would it cost me in the future? What's it going to cost my family in the future? What's it going to cost my kids in the future if I take this opportunity now? So last week, Pastor Corey talked about Abraham, and he, was, um, he had given, been given a promise of God, a command to move and to go to a land that God would show him. And um, he said he'd, he'd make him a great nation, and he'd have many descendants, and he would bless him. And in the coming verses, God continues to bring this promise to him in, in visions and encounters with messengers of God. And so what are the promises of God for our kids or for our life? if you don't have kids yet. Um, God promises life and freedom, provision, protection, peace, fruit, restoration, deliverance, direction. How many of you guys need some direction in your lives? You need to know. And sometimes we think, well, Abraham had this vision and he had this message. If I just had a vision from God. But you know what? You have the word of God. You have it accessible to you every day. You can go to it to find out what God's promises for you are and for your kids. So let's go back into Genesis uh, chapter 16, verse 1. And we're going to go through the story of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Now, at this, this time, they're not, their names were actually Abram and Sarai. So I'm probably going to mess it up a little bit, but just forgive me. It's really confusing. Um, so Genesis 16, 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Now, I just want to mention, at this time, if you couldn't have kids, it was like one of the hardest things for a woman at that time in that era because your descendants meant everything to your family. And this would have um, been very hard for her. If you've ever struggled with infertility, you understand the pain of what Sarai felt in this moment. And it can be so hard to wait and to, um, to watch as other people are having babies around you. And if that's your story, um, we want to support you and we want to give you love today. Um, but Sarah, I was living kind of in this pain and this shame 
of not being able to bear a child for her husband, Abram. But then it says, but she had an Egyptian service named Hagar. And this is where the opportunity came. She had an option here. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. Now, this might seem weird to you, but this is actually something that was quite common at the times. But this is what I want to say to those of you that are married wives. You actually have power in your homes to speak into your husband's life. And I don't want you to bring temptation into their world and into their lives. I mean, Sarah, Sarah gave him an option here and an opportunity that he shouldn't have taken. And yet, it was something that was legal and logical and it kind of made sense in their minds at the time. And I'll explain in a minute why. But she actually brought temptation in because she was in a desperate place emotionally. And moms, sometimes we get in that desperate place emotionally where we're like, well, I just need to feel like I'm doing better at this, so, or I just want us to get to this place. So we compromise and we grasp and we start to snatch at opportunities before us, even if we know that it's not the way that God would want us to do it. So verse 3, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So this is 10 years of waiting for a promise. So 10 years ago, God had said to Abram, said, I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you a child. And your descendants, he actually took Abram out one day because Abram was kind of struggling with this idea because he hadn't had a child. And he said, go up and look at the stars. And as many stars are in the sky, that's as many descendants as I'm going to give to you. So we had this promise, but it had been 10 years of waiting. And for any of you that have had to wait for something that you've really wanted, that just feels like forever. We're not good at waiting. Humans aren't good at waiting. And this was before like the time of microwaves and um, high-speed Wi-Fi and things like that. And they weren't good at waiting in this time either. But what I want to remind you in this is that just because there's a delay, just because you have to wait, a delay is not a denial of God. So along the way, along the way, we start to doubt. You know, God's given us these promises about how we are supposed to raise our kids. He's given us our promises about how we're supposed to live our lives. But along the way, we start to doubt. And we start to kind of twist it and kind of like in the Garden of Eden when the snake came along and said, did God really say? And we start to let those kind of voices speak to us into our minds because we're tired. We're tired of waiting. We're discouraged. And we want to start taking hold and making it happen on our own. And that's a really hard and a dangerous place to be in. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the reasons is, is we begin to life, live life um, kind of about us. And we're not focused on God and his promises anymore because it hurts us and it feels so hard. Um, here's the thing about Hagar, um, Sarai's servant. It might seem weird to you that she gave her to be, you know, to go and have relations with her husband and have this baby. But it was actually something that was quite common practice at that time. It was something that was legal. It was something that was logical. It made sense. Like, I can't have a baby, so I'm going to give my maid to you to have a baby through, through her. And, um, and then it would actually technically be like part of Sarah's, Sarah's um, family. But how many of you know that just because it's legal, just because it's logical, doesn't mean that it's God's plan? Just because the opportunity's there, just because you can, doesn't mean that you should. Just because it's a common practice in the world does not mean that it's a kingdom practice of God. Um, 
You know, just because you can go out and buy a summer home in a boat and go off and have fun, you know, for the summer wives with your kids, your husband might have to stay home and work. Is that, just because you have that opportunity, does that mean that you should, that you should leave him for the week and, and he should be on his own for the whole week? Do you want to bring temptation into his life? Do you want, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I'm just going off on here, but the reality is just because we can doesn't mean that we should. So you need to weigh every decision that you make through the filters of what do I actually want for my family? What do I want for my kids? Is this going to take me there? Um, forcing things in the flesh, like Sarah was doing here, she was, she was taking a hold of this opportunity. She was forcing it to happen because she was tired of waiting for God. And she, you know what, I don't think she even believed that she was part of the promise at this point. Because um, God had never actually said her name in the promise yet. He had only spoken to Abraham. But sometimes our destiny is tied to someone else and them obeying God and their, their faith. But she was tired of waiting right now. But this decision that she made in her flesh, flesh had serious consequences. Imagine every day you're seeing your maid and her belly is growing. You see the baby growing inside of her and it's gonna be a reminder of your own barrenness every day. It's gonna be so hard for Sarai. And the other thing is it brought competition into their house between the two brothers so um, this, this son that, uh, that Hagar had, her maidservant, actually was going to later in life be in competition with the promise of God. And when we take hold of opportunities, they're going to go in competition with the promises of God and the things that God wants in your life. And it can be hard to make the right choice because there's a battle there. Uh, so let's go to verse 4. So Abram had relations with Hagar. And she became pregnant. We all know what relations means. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to um, treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. So here's the thing. Opportunity pulls you in, and it kind of tricks you into thinking that it's going to do what you want it to. But then opportunity can become very demanding on you. So then Sarai said to her husband, Abraham, this is all your fault. This is all your fault, Abram. And this is when wives, sometimes we blame our husbands for going along with us. And we say, we say, why did you agree to put our kids in? And fill in the blank. We get mad at them. And, and then Sarah said to him, I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Don't start blaming God about this. This is you. You started this. This wasn't God's fault. Be careful, Christians, that you're not blaming God for the things that you're doing in the flesh. So verse 6, Abram replied, Look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And now Sarah is dealing even with more guilt here. Now uh, a messenger from God comes and speaks to Hagar, and she does return. And in verse 15, we're going to skip down to there. She says, or Hagar, uh, it says, So Hagar gave Abram a son. And Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Now here's the thing about opportunities in your lives. You can love them even if they're not right. Now Abram loved Ishmael. He was his son. You can love the things that aren't part of God's plans. It can feel right to you. It can make sense to you. You can fall in love with it. You can fall in love with someone that you're not supposed to be with. Um, it doesn't make it part of the promise, though. You love whatever you invest your time and your money and your energy into. 
And Abram had waited for 10 years, and that seemed so long to him. But the reality was there was actually more waiting to come in his life, and we're going to find out why. So he had actually 14 more years of waiting ahead of him. Um, I mean, Pastor Corey can't even wait for like 14 minutes, <laughs> let alone 14 years. God's teaching him impatience probably mostly by living with me, but, um, <laughs> and maybe four girls too, but... Um, can you imagine all these years of waiting? So when I was reading through Genesis, I'm reading through all these chapters, and it takes me like five minutes to read through them. But in reality, this was 25 years before the first time that God gave the promise, and when the promise of the child Isaac came. 25 years, that's 300 months. That's 300 months of Sarai going, no, it's not this month. No, it's not going to happen this month. Until finally she got to the place where her body was actually no longer um, able in her, in her strength without God's miraculous intervention to bear a child. That's 9,125 nights of dreaming and praying and then starting to feel that frustration and that irritation. Like, it's not coming. God, where are you? When is this promise going to come? And have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt frustrated with your kids or felt frustrated with where you're at in life? And you're like, God, where are you? Can you imagine where they were in this time? But no promise of God comes without patience because patience is actually a part of who he is. Patience is a part of who he is. So if we're going to get the promise of God, we're going to have to learn patience in here. And I think one of the things... Um, that I saw this week with Pastor Corey's help was that uh, patience denies promise the throne. Okay, now this is going to take a second for your, your brains to catch up what this means. Patience denies promise the throne. So if I got everything I wanted right now, I might el actually elevate the promise to the throne. I might put that promise on the throne instead of the giver of the promise being on the throne. The promise might be everything in my life instead of God being everything in my life. So what does this look like in your life? Maybe you've gone through like a bad breakup or a bad divorce and you're just feeling so hurt and you're tired of being lonely. You're tired of being alone and you just want someone to love you and take care of you. And then God gives you the promise, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you've been waiting for a child and it hasn't happened for you yet and you don't know what's in store for your future. And you've been waiting like Sarai, month after month after month, waiting. And God says, he gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. And it might not look the way you want or the way you think, but it's a promise of God. Or maybe you have a business opportunity in your life and you've been trying to do the right thing and you've been trying to like live with integrity and do the right thing in your business. And you're getting tired of waiting for God to actually come through and do something in your business. But the the Bible says the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And this is the point in your life when you can't wait any longer, but you do. This is the point in your life when you feel like you can't bear the weight of it anymore, but you do. And this is the point where you, you want to take over. You just want to do something to get things moving, but you don't. And then we get to verse um, chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, I mean... That's old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And then we go down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. 
sometimes before God, um, before God's promise can come true in our lives, he actually needs to change our capacity. So today's you is not going to be enough for tomorrow's promise, for what he wants to do in your life. Your capacity to raise a two-year-old is not going to be enough to raise a 16-year-old. Anybody been there? Kind of wondering, oh, God, increase my capacity. I need help. Um, and here's the thing, thing about Sarah and this name change. So Sarai actually meant my princess. So it actually meant kind of like Abraham's princess, his treasured one, his, you know, she was everything to him. She, it was like, all, like diva. It's kind of what it meant, diva. She's the diva. But he changed, God said, I'm going to change your name to Sarah. And Sarah meant princess of multitudes or a mother of nations. In that day, your name was who you were. So in changing the name of Sarai to Sarah, God was actually changing who she was to the mother of multitudes. Now, every girl wants to be a princess. And we want, it's kind of fun to have the attention, especially on Mother's Day, right? We want the attention on us and to be treasured and pampered and all those things. And that's not bad. But sometimes there's going to be a higher calling that God calls you to. And what was happening here in this name change was that she actually had to sacrifice her husband's attention for her future, for the promise of this son, Isaac, that was coming. This selfishness inside of her was going to need to be worked out. How many of you guys, moms out there, did you ever feel like your selfishness had to get worked out of you when you had your first child? Like, yeah, it wasn't about you anymore. Um, because there was a higher calling on her life. She was going to have to um, raise up this child under, under um, Abraham's leadership in the household to raise a nation, really, uh, a child who would lead a nation. Um, and I was laughing with Crystal the other day about like Mother's Day, and we kind of can moan about it if we're not feeling like we're getting enough. But being a mom is actually a privilege all in itself. We get to build into the future of these kids. And I can feel threatened by that, I can feel threatened by having to sacrifice my husband's attention and, and it all being about me and me being the princess of my little kingdom. Or I can actually feel fulfilled in this change that actually I am called to build and pour into someone else's future and to see them reach their full potential in the inheritance of God. How many of you know when you have a baby, it changes your body? Moms out there? Guys, you don't know. Well, maybe you know. <laughs> Um, but it actually changes our body. We actually have a spiritual responsibility as well, and we need to be willing to change on the inside in order to reap the payoff and, and the, the promise in the future. And, uh, but right now, it might be saying no to an opportunity before you, and that might be the most powerful thing you can do. Not every opportunity is a door. Um, and here's the, the issue wasn't that God couldn't give them this child, at the right time. The issue was not God's power. It wasn't his provision. The issue was that they were not in a place where they were, they were able yet to steward the promise. Yeah. So the issue is actually my ability to steward the promise that God gave me. And this waiting time, this waiting that they had to do makes the promise not about you anymore. Yeah. It's not about you anymore. So, yeah. so Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Now, realize that until, like, this last year of her life, she didn't realize she was part of the promise. She thought it was going to come through someone else because she thought she was barren. Don't ever think that God can't do something in you when he gives you a promise. He can do, he can do the impossible, which is what he did in her. And she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abram in his old age. 
This happened at just the time, at just the time God had said it would. And Abram named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abram circumcised him as God had commanded. Abram was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah was like 90 years old here. I just want to encourage you today. Delays are not denials. And in spite of our failures, in spite of us meddling, in spite of us grasping at opportunities, there is redemption that can come if you take hold of the promises. I want you to remember what the promises are. Don't forget about them today. Um, Sarah and Abraham actually had to put their heads down at this point when they finally got this promise again and work and build the character that they needed to raise in Isaac. It's not cheap. It was hard on their hearts. They were hurt. They went through pain in this. But we need more Isaacs in the world that are ready to lead our world and um, see the promises of God fulfilled. So verse 6. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. So before she had kind of laughed in like a lack of faith when God had spoken to her that she would have a, a child. But now she's laughing in a different kind of way. And she says, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abram that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abram a son in his old age. Will you guys just pray with me? God, uh, there's people here today that feel like there's promises in their lives that have been unfulfilled. And there's people here today that feel like they've disqualified themselves. But your mercy is greater in spite of us. When we've made mistakes, uh, your mercy is greater. Your redemption comes to bring the promises of God to us. If we'll turn to you and uh, reprioritize our lives and make sure that the opportunities uh, aren't the thing that we grasp at each time, that we actually weigh them through the filter of your promises, O oh Lord. And some of us in here have been like divas, and we've wanted our lives, and we've wanted our husband's attention to be all about us. And we've forgotten that God's give us, given us a, a, a higher calling, that we need to change our capacity so that we can actually raise children of promise. Father, today, help us to be patient in the waiting. Help us to um, recognize and listen to the faith of the Abrahams in our life and the leaders in our life. And help us to help our children find their destiny, sometimes by saying no to the things that are in front of us. We give our kids back to you today. We're not going to live the same way if we see our kids as kids of promise, so um, help us have eyes to see that, to not buy into the lies, to not um, give into the apathy around us, to actually have faith. Give us faith today, Lord. And help us to see clearly that not every opportunity is a door to our destiny. Sometimes they're detours. Help us to hear from you and be patient and develop the character that we need to steward the promise for our kids, to steward the promise for what you have, because we want to birth Isaacs in our life. We want to be ready and willing to, um, to lay it down and not give in to uh, trying to make things work in our flesh. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.